You're listening to Dodge Movie Podcast. Your hosts are Christy and Mike Dodge, the founders of Dodge Media Productions. We produce films and podcasts, so this is a podcast about films. Join them as they share their passion for filmmaking. Welcome back, everybody, to the Dodge Movie Podcast. This is episode 81. We are going to talk about The Hammer, written by Kevin Hench and Adam Carolla and directed by Charles Herman Wormfeld, starring Adam Carolla, Heather Jurgensen, and Oswaldo Castillo, amongst a few other notables. Jane Lynch. Let's see, I'm trying to think if there were any other celeb friends that I forgot. It came out in 2007. And this was an interesting film for me because having a film done by a popular podcaster, you get to hear kind of the daily stuff of filming. Right. And podcasters apparently make really good filmmakers, too. That's what I've heard. <laughs> yeah. The synopsis for this film is a 40-year-old who gave up his pro- a promising amateur boxing career 21 years ago is offered a path to the Olympics. Taglines for this film are, some guys don't know their destiny till it hits them in, a f- in the face. You like that one? If I had delivered it correctly? Even if the delivery was a little smoother. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not the biggest fan. It's, it's okay. A little long. It, it's workman like how about this one you're never too old to go for the gold a very confusing i don't know that's a comedy (laughs) right it sounds a little dramatic well i I think it's about that that a guy with the real thick glasses from england who goes ski jumping or something right right? or when you think of like gold panners they're usually old guys oh right a big bearded kind of prospector Mm -hmm. termination so in the trivia i just have listed that it's a very indie film and like i said we kind of know this based on i was listening to the podcast that adam was doing at the time in 2007 and so i believe it was if not self-funded it was kind of his close ranks of friends who were the investors i believe yeah i think this was supposed to go straight to dvd until he threw his own personal funds in to make prints so it is pretty self-funded yes so kick us off mike what is the pickup line for the hammer they say you should never let go of your dreams, but if your dream is to be a musketeer and you're 45, you may want to let that one go. <laughs> I I hesitate even in 2007 that did people know what a musketeer was? <laughs> no. I Deep police, man. I mean, let's see. I knew of Mouseketeers as a kid, but I never watched the show because I think it had ended by the time oh. I was of, of oh, age. I'm sure sure the original one ended, but I, I watched reruns, right? I'm old enough that they were black and white reruns with Annette Funicello that was on the air. Now, actually, in our era, though, they did have the new Mouseketeers with JT and Brittany. So, was that but the main- I, I don't think anybody knows that reference except the old timers. Right. Right. But it's a, I guess it's a good kickoff. Well, he's opening it to settle his demographic. Right. Yeah. So I would say also, even though this this is well shot, it does have a very indie look. I hesitate to say low budget because that usually is an insult, but it does have a low budget vibe. Yeah, it, it looks like it's in that category where I think the uh, not skip ahead, but I think the budget is over a million dollars, but not a whole lot. Right. And so it's it's not a student film. No. You can tell that people understand the art of filmmaking, mm-hmm. but it's also not a slick studio film. Right. For example, the guy selling oranges at the on-ramp is probably the real guy the selling right. oranges at the on-ramp. <laughs> exactly. He doesn't have a SAG card. Well, Oswaldo, Oswaldo Castillo <laughs> it, it is not an actor. Nicaragua! <laughs> He's a labor construction guy that Adam has worked with forever. And I would guess that the people in Ozzy's house are probably either other co-workers or Ozzy's actual relatives. Right. 
right? I think you're right. And that's another thing is the practical sets. The gym was an actual gym that Adam built with Ozzy. After completing the gym, Adam then actually taught boxing classes. So that's a practical set. I think the apartment is probably either one they rented or I wouldn't be surprised if it was like Ray's or something. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think you're right. Ozzy's house is probably Ozzy's house. If there was a nice house, I bet it was Adam's house, but I can't think of... I don't think there's a nice house. I think I'm thinking of his other movie, Road Hard, that had his home in it. Yeah, I wondered if they even bothered set dressing Ozzy's house because I think that's just Ozzy's house. And I'm thinking in particular of the the twinkle lights in the background. Mm -hmm. I bet that's exactly what Ozzy's house looked like on that day. Mm -hmm. I think so too. I also have down under cinematography, it was, I noticed I would hate to ever shoot fight scenes, which is funny that I say that because I'm never the cinematographer, but (laughs) just, I realized what an art and kind of how you take for granted creating motion. I think because there was a lot of movement and uh, and kind of, I think they would even jar the camera a little bit when the hit would land. And it'd be interesting to go back and watch like Raging Bull or Rocky mm-hmm. and some of these other, to see how the fight scenes, because I just noticed it was a lot of added motion by the cam- with the oh. camera. Yeah, I didn't notice that, but I did, you brought that up, I did think, I'm pretty sure in almost every boxing shot, Adam is on the left side of the screen. And he's a southpaw. So yes, I believe you're right. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and they, you know, maybe they were trying not to break the 180. And so. Well, and the hero traditionally in Western cinema goes left to right. So Mm -hmm. it'd be natural to put him on the left side of the screen. Right. Curious. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Correct. Positive. (laughs) Affirmative, sir. So during, I think there was a lot of improv in this for the writing. I'm sure that they had a script, but knowing Adam and I believe that Heather Jorgensen comes from an improv background. Hmm. So I could see, I felt like the scenes from the La Brea Tar Pits were were improvised. It is a good point he makes that only L.A. would choose to keep oil in the middle of their city (laughs) and make a tourist attraction out of it. (laughs) There's actually, I'll add it in the show notes, there's a clip on YouTube of him standing there doing more improvisation of the scene. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's funny. I loved the editing and we've all, we've commented on this before when we've watched this, the editing of the jump rope scenes. I, I just, I think that is such a clever touch. Who's our editor? Because they did a great job. Film editing by Rich Fox. Hey, Rich Fox, way to go. So what it is, is when it's from his point of view, you hear the music he's got going through his iPod earbuds. But then when it cuts to her point of view, the music goes away. It's really quite clever. Which kind of just makes him look like a clown. But I think it's, gosh, I, I don't even know why they thought to do that. It's just so fun. I think the audience would, would understand if the sound is either diegetic or non-diegetic. They'd figure it out. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. It's funny because it cuts back and forth. So it's not just one. And he is a very good jump Jump, roper. So it's impressive, but it just makes him look like a dork. And you hear his breathing more, I feel like, (laughs) when it goes to non-diegetic. So I love the fact that jump ropers are a little bit like alcoholics in that they can't shut up about it. Everything <laughs> is revolves around it. I have never met anyone who thinks jump roping is useful or a great idea, except the people who are master jump ropers. Everyone else could not care less. But if you're a super good jump roper, then it's the be all and end all of everything. And I was sitting there watching that, trying to figure out what is the justification for why that's supposed to help you be a better boxer, 
right quick it, on your feet okay like but, the, but the ability to like get out of a, the way of a punch because your feet i mean doesn't it kind of like establish your balance and so do ice skaters jump rope no no one jumps rope except a few boxers, boxers. Yeah. well the stamina again there's a ton of other exercises cage fighters tend to eschew the 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 jump roping so it just it's it's fascinating to me it makes for a great scene but it just doesn't make any sense Right. Other than the fact that we happen to know that Curl is a great jump roper. Right. And I mean, it does look impressive. I mean, yeah. Is it jump roper or jumper rope? Jump That's a roper. very confusing one. Jump roper. Okay. Jump roper. I found it impressive as as a former jump roper myself well, at the age of like nine. Sure. It, it, it is impressive. <laughs> so is my wobble board workout, but I don't think that that's going to make me an Olympic boxer. You're going to look even dorkier than a jump roper, I believe. <gasps> How dare you, sir? How dare you? So of the cinematography writing and editing, what stood out for you? Well, for the cinematography, I did make a note of speed bag cam. Mm-hmm. But one thing that I thought was really good, and this this absolutely has to go to the director of the cinematographer, there are two matching shots that really make it work. It's when Jerry, the hammer, first comes up the stairs to the boxing, like, tryout. They're shooting down the stairs, and he's in silhouette because the door's open to the street. And then after he gets the news that he's been a patsy and he's been suckered, then he's going down. And so I thought that was really, really, for an independent film with a comedian as the the main star, that was a very clever bit of filmmaking. Is that allegory or metaphor? Like basically like his life is on the rise or his life is in decline? Would that be uh, yeah, probably so. Maybe a metaphor, uh, allegory, one of those. You, you caught me out. I'm not real sure. Okay, maybe not important. <laughs> listener Lisa could help us out with one of those literary kind of thingy. We you mentioned the the montage, but it has the mighty mighty boss tones yes. playing with it, and that was kind of fun. There's also a training montage, which you have to have in any sports film, but particularly a boxing film. And I'm curious if this was true before Rocky, or if Sylvester Stallone established the trope that a box film has to have a training montage it, it is a wonderful question chicken or egg of did well raging bull came before so i think raging bull was after rocky the original rocky kidding. i want to say 78 it's okay, a lot earlier now, than we think now we have to find out okay so and then the last little bit on cinematography while she's looking that up is there's great hair light spotlight on Lindsay played by heather jorgensen in the crowd at the finals and again a classic filmmaking technique but when we talk about independent film yeah we want to make the distinction that it's lower budget but doesn't mean lower skill right they still know what they're doing right damn you're good dodge really rocky came out in 76 and oh, wow. raging bull came out in 80 okay yeah why do i think raging bull is older because it was shot in black and white i think you're it right it makes it feel old. i think you're right so anyway, that's a good question. I don't know if some of our more erudite film friends, uh, perhaps Edgar Wright, if he's listening, <laughs> could tell us whether Rocky did instill that training montage in boxing films. That's fascinating. I feel like maybe they thought it would be too much to have Corolla, like he should have chased like a chihuahua or something. <laughs> Instead of a chicken. <laughs> yeah, that would have been good because of Ozzy, he would have had yeah. a little chihuahua. He would have had chickens. Yeah. I'm trying to think of, because it's the other thing is a chicken that you don't readily have available. Right. Or actually, because. And so I was trying to think what, what small animal or like a guinea pig, like one of his kids' guinea pigs is what he chases. But given Corolla, would be, he instead chase a rooster and then it'd turn on him and, and attack him and right. have scratches on his face. I like the scene from a writing perspective, but this is credit, I guess, to the acting because it's so awkward to watch when he tries to pay on their date and he can't because he's just dead broke. It's actually harder to watch every time I see this film. <laughs> 
makes you sad. Reason. Oh, it does. It's just so awkward, right? The See, writing... That's why you were clever. Whether or not you um, <laughs> could afford that that gold Amex card, which I think you could based I, on the I, job I, you I had. I think I could, yeah. But it looks good and you, and and you're not going to get declined because it's an Amex. That is true. So you were brilliant. It was good marketing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, look, I didn't have much going for me. I had to lead with what I could. Yeah, you did good. So as far as the writing goes, I did like how, uh, spoiler alert, how it appears that she does not respond to his wooing by way of deck and says she's going to take the job anyway. You mean like a wooden deck out behind her house? Yeah. Sorry, that wasn't, I wasn't <laughs> trying to be a New Zealander propositioning her. Yes. That's that's a pretty grand gesture, including larceny. <laughs> right. But uh, so I thought that was good writing, though, because it didn't have like, kind of a classic Hollywood ending, but it did have a happy ending. But I thought it was well done. But it, he did woo her. She didn't go. Well, at first she says, no, she's going to leave. Oh, and okay. Then she, Ooh, then she big spoiler out. then. Yeah. Oh, hey. <laughs> you were trying to keep some magic, some mystery in there, and I just <laughs> no, actually, kicked I, the door I, open and ruined it. I... No longer worry about spoilers. Yeah. Sorry, listeners. Yeah. 2007, you're on your own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If we ever start doing more recent movies, maybe I'd have to be careful. Right. Yes. That's why we purposely- Darth Vader is Luke's father. <laughs> oh, no. You did not. Uh, just kidding. <laughs> I appreciated his Bodies in Motion t-shirt because that's the name of the gym that he actually built. And I felt like that t-shirt was worn just enough that that was probably Adam's t-shirt. Uh, and speaking of t-shirts, I had a costuming question. Perhaps Superfan Miriam would be able to chip in. There's at one point where he's wearing a Happy Camper t-shirt, which also looks like one of his own really <laughs> ratty worn t-shirts. But he's sweating because he's been boxing. And my question is, how do they make sure that the sweat stains are the same from take to take to take? Oh. And so do they have the equivalent of slut gloss for t for clothing? I think that's just water, I feel like. Yeah, maybe they have a... Because what was I... Oh, no. There is a... They did not use slut gloss in this, unless they were just trying to cool themselves off. But I, when I was doing research for this, there was a behind the scenes thing I watched on YouTube, and they had that Evian water that came in mm -hmm. the spray. Do you remember that? Vaguely. And that's what they sprayed on themselves okay. to look like sweat. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And I did, I just, uh, I want to mention that I, I had a note of nice, shitty old t-shirt collection for Jerry. So I do believe mm -hmm. that they raided Adam's drawer mm -hmm. at home. Yep. Well, being a boxing movie, we probably have quite a bit of head trauma. <laughs> yeah. So the first one I made note of is early in the film in Act 1, he knocks down Malice Blake. That's when we first see that he's got this really great right cross, or a left cross, I'm sorry. And then I stopped putting it down because it's a boxing movie. There's head trauma every time yeah. there's boxing. Yeah. What a great name, Malice Blake. Yeah, it was a good name. I, I assume he was born as Malice Hockletooby. Yeah. <laughs> right. Let's see, this was a romantic comedy, so I know we have a smoochie. Smoochy, smoochy, smoochy. We do. We actually have a near miss at, at 3520. Lindsay and the audience think Jerry's leaning in to kiss her, but he doesn't. But then about 10 minutes later, they kiss on the porch. And then at the end of the film, she kisses him after the last fight. Aww, sweet. And there's, there's an, I don't think this would count as a road movie, but there is an interesting drive <laughs> to another state and, and some incidents with the law. So give us a driving with Johnny review. Law. Yeah, so I'm going to say that occurs in the 86 Dodge Ram wagon van. Uh -huh. I'm not sure why it's called a wagon, even though it's a van. But driving reviews, kids don't drive too dang slow. I gotta say, 
listening to the lines delivered by the Highway Patrolman played by Scott Adsit of 30 Rock fame, that I think is Corolla and me talking to the audience. (laughs) Driving too slow is just as dangerous as driving too fast. Don't be that jerk. 37 on a highway. And I love the line. I didn't remember it from previous viewings, but I caught it this time. He says, the the trooper, with all due respect, the highway is for the big boys. If you can't keep up, stay on the side streets. I love it. I, I, I want to have that on a sticker that I can shoot on people's windshields. <laughs> that cop is your patron saint. Really, he is. I think Adam and I both, uh, like I said, I think Adam wrote that dialogue in. And um. <laughs> so his pickup, I don't know if it's the exact same 77 Ford pickup. I think he got rid of his crappy pickups. Yeah. By the time they made this film. So they got another one. But he had said in the past that he did have the door that wouldn't sh- stay closed. Yep. As well as the pliers that you had to use for like the the window and other things. Mm -hmm. So that was well done on that case. Now, I did have a nit to pick. There's a funny bit where he sets up the belt sander Mm -hmm. and it goes through the windshield in a 2003 Chevy Avalanche. Couple problems. First of all, I don't think a construction foreman, owner of the company, would drive an Avalanche. It's kind of a weird vehicle. Mm -hmm. He might have the... $90,000 $90,000 pickup. He, he'd have a Ford F-150 probably. Yeah. Maybe the twin cab, whatever. Yeah. But the other thing is front windshields are safety glass. They're two layers of glass sandwiched around a plastic film to prevent shards of deadly glass from going into the cabin and killing people. Uh-huh. I don't think that the belt sander would be able to punch a hole through it. It would crack it, but it just bounce off. And then the, the windshield would be ruined, but it wouldn't go through. But I know it's the gag, but it just, it, I, I think Adam would probably also know this trivia piece. I think he would know better. Yeah. Were you thinking the same thing when I saw that belt sander in the wind, like half in the windshield, half out? Like some props guy had to figure out how to (laughs) embed a belt sander into the windshield and not have it like completely shatter the whole windshield. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, credit to that person. Yeah. And I, I mean... That person deserves an Oscar. <laughs> well, a, some sort of reward, but let's go with an Oscar. That would be good work. Good work on that props guy. Write in. Let us know who you are. Right. We appreciated it. Yeah, yeah. I'll buy a cup of coffee. <laughs> okay. So we go to the numbers? Let's go to the numbers. Okay. Before I start the numbers, I'm going to just give you two tidbits. Like you said, the film is going to go straight to DVD, but then Adam insisted that the movie be released in theaters. And so he therefore had to put up approximately $300,000 of his own money to create prints and promotion to fund a limited release. And as we know, that also requires, I believe, forewalling, which is a term that means you're renting out theaters. I, th- I think it's like four or five theaters in the LA area. Yeah, I thought it was four. Yeah, that sounds right. And then this film received an R rating and Adam has gone on many rants on his podcast (laughs) about the film's rating because despite it only having the one F word, which is allowed in a PG and minimal cursing, the movie still got an R and he can't figure out. I think he was told actually it was because of the boxing, but he points out there are a couple other boxing. Oh, Oh, yeah. Well, he said he one of his points of evidence is the Olympics have boxing. <laughs> right. And we don't give the Some Olympics broadcast television. an R rating. Yeah, that that uh, we know the answers because he's small and somewhat controversial. Yes. Right. And that's probably why but he got an R. If you might recall, recently we were watching a television show and Ryan Reynolds said, you get one F word, two S words, and a third thing if you want to keep your PG-13. Yeah. 
So I'm pretty sure if Ryan Reynolds made that film, it'd be PG-13. And am I correct in the reason that that's such an important distinction is because if you're an R movie, can you not be sold at Walmart? And that's a big... I hadn't heard that, but I wouldn't put it past him. I thought there was something involved in that. Or maybe at least you can't be put on right. now a streaming service. Okay, or... so I'm going to interject a little... Gotta look little that up. Rant here. Go ahead. I'll get my soapbox. Okay. People need to go watch that movie documentary bigger longer uncutter what is it called i'll put it in the show notes there's a documentary about the rating system and how ridiculous it is there is no reason for the rating system anymore we have the internet and whether or not you agree with them kids in mind is a website that is very consistent so if you're a parent and you're concerned about what's going on in the film just go there. They've actually watched the film. It's not three kooky people in the valley who come up with these things. Also, I would recommend Does the Dog Die? Because some of us are sensitive dog lovers and we don't want to see the dog get injured. So Does the Dog Die is also a website that lets you know if there's objectionable material in a film. Yep. And while we're talking about websites we like, one I use is called Just Watch. And if you ever want to like watch a movie and you want to know what streaming service it's on, that's what we use because I try to find you guys the free place that our films are on. And that tells you where you can rent it or where it's streaming and which service. So that's a great one. I'll include that. I don't think it's exactly accurate to say we use that because I don't. I'm clueless. <laughs> I use that. <laughs> yeah. I ask, where's the movie this week? <laughs> so it's you can t- do that too. Um, call. She'll give you the number at the end of the show if you're concerned where to get the film, call and ask. Or you could follow our social media because I always post what films we're watching and where oh. you can find them. What is this thing of which you speak social media? Dodge Media Productions on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. Oh. We're on all the socials and oh, you can okay. follow us. Well, there you go, kids. If you understand what social meteors are, you can go there. Or you can go to our website, dodgemediaproductions.com and sign up for our newsletter because I always include the movies that we're going to be doing the next month in our newsletter that you get every month. Oh, now I know email. That's that's a 20th century yes. uh, technology. It'll come straight to your okay, mailbox. There you go. Do I have to print it out before I read it? No. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> All right, so that little interruption, now we're going to go to the numbers. So The Hammer came out in 2007. It had a budget of $850,000. It scored 7.1 out of 10 on IMDb. Uh, Critics gave it a B. That's probably fair. Audiences liked it more, probably a lot of Adam's audiences. I think it used to have a higher rating, but right now it's at 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's an hour and a half. It's rated R. It's listed as a comedy romance sport movie. And let's see, it did not released worldwide so its domestic returns are 442,000 so it, it brought in naughty or just over half I guess of its initial investment but I think for Adam it was kind of in that Robert Rodriguez Kevin Smith make just make a movie right it wasn't right. it wasn't meant to be an investment for him monetarily it was to get himself out there as a filmmaker I believe yeah I think that's that's fairly accurate to say oh I wonder- just real quick let me say for superfan RJ a Adjusted for inflation, that would be like a film making five hundred and sixty-five hundred thousand today. I, I would say I want to encourage people that y- you can make art for art's sake. Yeah. Oh, wow, that would be a good slogan for a <laughs> st- studio. Maybe somebody make a note of that. Maybe and, it could be really bold and have like a lion kind oh, of. Oh, maybe in Latin. That makes it look more yeah, impressive. That, that really ups let's, the let's, gravitas. Let's do that for our films now. It may have been taken. Uh, I don't think they'll come after us. They won't <laughs> notice. 
Oh, I thought you were going longer. Sorry. <laughs> no. <laughs> that was it. Bit was over. Sorry. <laughs> bit, bit, bit was over. <laughs> All right, everybody. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Hammer. I, th- I feel like, you know, it's a rom-com and it fits in that indie vibe to kick off this month of sports movies. Next week, join us. We're going to talk about the very silly dodgeball. It was kind of on brand. It's right there. And it's a <laughs> film that Mike enjoyed. And we will be discuss or enjoys. Enjoys. Yeah. Sorry. I, I just meant we enjoyed it in and the past. And so we picked it to talk spoiler about. Spoiler alert. Other humans also enjoy the film. <laughs> Not just me. So enjoy us next week for that. It is on HBO Max. So if you have that subscription already, it's free for you to watch and then listen to us next week. But never forget. Dodges never stop and neither do the movies. Thanks for listening to Dodge Movie Podcast with Christy and Mike Dodge of Dodge Media Productions. To find out more about this podcast and what we do, go to dodgemediaproductions.com. Subscribe, share, leave a comment, and tell us what we should watch next. Dodges never stop, and neither do the movies. 